The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. If you could see what I once was If you could go with me Back to where I started from Then I know you would see I want to talk to you about a subject of Maybe they may be considered by some as the greatest subject of the Bible besides salvation. Salvation, redemption, from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, all the way to the last, chapter 22 of Revelation, the theme of the Bible is redemption. It's how God, it's the fall of man and God's plan of redemption and how he wants to redeem you back. God's, you are on God's mind. He wants to save you and wants to redeem you but the devil has a plan also, doesn't he? He has a dream for you and has a lot of things to try to interfere. But if you'll go for God, if you say, I want to break through all of the faults and get to the true, God will let you get to the true. Because God wants to see you saved more than even we here at the gospel want to see you saved. And we want to see you saved. We want to see you in heaven. We want to see you sing the song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. That's what we want to hear. And we want to hear from your heart. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. You can't get away from it. It's a proof text. But it's just a, it's a um, beginning of a, of a subject of adoption, the sonship or redoption. Adoption that God has after salvation. After you realize you're a sinner unable to save yourself, Jesus Christ came, he died for you, he was buried, he rose again the third day by his own power. He, he was raised physically, visibly, bodily from the grave. He didn't swoon. He really died. He really was buried. He really was raised. Witnessed by over 500 people at one time at the ascension. Went back to heaven, now is on the right hand of the Father making intercession for those that believe, that's you and me this morning. He's calling on the whole world to be saved. He gave the people that were they left behind, the apostles. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Teach them everything I've told you. Baptize them when they believe. That's what we've been trying to do. We're here at 2015 doing the same thing that they were told to do by the grace of God, hopefully. Same message, same book, same Jesus. Same spirit, same gospel. And we're going out doing the same things. And I want to talk to you about a joy of adoption, the joy of adoption. The title is, Do You Have a Real, Vital Relationship with Jesus Christ, with God? A lot of personal trouble the Christians have in their lives, and they do, a lot of it is from a lack of a real relationship with their heavenly Father. The teaching of the fatherhood of God in the New Testament especially is precious. Remember Jesus said, 
This is how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, many of you have not had good fathers. I recognize that. I've been in the bus ministry. I've seen the quality of some people who have birthed children. And they are not what they should be. Sometimes they're horrible examples, abusive examples, cruel examples. But the good news is for you, if you'll trust Christ as your Savior, be born from above, you will change from your old father to a new one. Jesus Christ, God the Father, will be your father. You will literally be spiritually adopted into his family, eventually to receive the resurrected body and be united as one with him. You are now, as a born-again believer, his child. And that makes a whole bunch of difference. The devil will seek to blind you that you're adopted into the family of God. Your memories of your past experiences, maybe your physical dad that you've had, will seek to muddy the waters. Your old nature will not want to believe it, but it is true. It is true as you hearing my voice. This is true as you know you're sitting here, that Jesus Christ, after salvation, the Father has adopted you because of what Jesus did for you. And he is a good father. He is a, not just a good father, he is a great father, and if I may say, he is the best father that anyone could ever have. Galatians chapter 4, 4 and 5 says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive what? The adoption of sons. If you're a born-again believer, you, every one of us, have been adopted children. Why? Jesus made it clear in John chapter 8, verse 44, when he was talking to the Pharisees who did not believe, he said, ye, plural, are of your father the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but that's some tough preaching. I mean, a guy get up in front of a bunch of people and say, ye are of your father the devil. The lust of your father you'll do. He was, a, by the way, a murderer from the beginning, bold not the truth. When he speaketh lies, speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it, and you're his kids. Oh, no wonder they took up stones to stone him, amen? That was the eighth chapter, if you know about verse 58 or so down the road there. They took up stones to stone him, to kill him. But he was telling them the truth. They had rejected God the Father. They were living in their own filthy, wanton lusts, hiding under religiosity, the worst kind, pretending to be good when they were wicked whitewashed sepulchers, they were called, full of dead men's bones. But he said there is coming a time that he was going to give himself, even for them. And they could be saved if they would repent in faith, ask him to be saved. And then he would adopt them into his family, as it says there in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. And let's look you don't need to look at these. I'm going to read you a few just for sample. In Romans chapter 8, 14 and 15, for it says, For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The word sons means children of God. For you have not received the spirit of adoption, again, to fear, 
but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Recently, Chrissy lost your dad, but you didn't. For when you got saved, you got a dad above the physical dad you could ever have, even though you have a great example of a physical father and a spiritual father. But not everybody has that. Some people have no father. He's never present. They call it the invisible dad. He's never there. He's gone. My heart goes out for you raised in that environment. But let me say, you do not let that, do not let that make you a victim. We are more than conquerors. Victors is what that word is. In Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, he is the father that you may have never had. He'll make up for the lost time in your life. Ephesians 1.5 says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The adoption was predestinated, by the way, not the salvation. For as many as received him, most of you know this, John 1.12, For as many as received him, to them gave he power. That is the, the, the legal right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The word sons of God is the children of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, one of my favorite places. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Ooh. That, he should, that we should be called the sons of God, the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. That's why they look at us with a strange look. Why aren't you to the beach this morning? Beloved, now are we... The sons of God, that's the children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, and Jesus said, I, I, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. The same way I left, the way I'm coming back. It does not yet appear what we shall be. When we see him, we will be like him. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Beautiful. Romans 8.23 says, for, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. What do we groan about? We're waiting for the finalizing of the adoption. Meaning, it's been, it's been positionally finalized, but eventually when I lose this old remnant of this world, this body, and it falls back into the dust of the world, my spirit goes to God. He's going to join me with a spiritual body like unto his body that we groan within ourselves for that day. We groan for that day of no pain. We groan for the day of no more depression. We groan for the day of no more sorrow. We groan for the day of no more fear. That's what the adoption, the final adoption of sons is meaning. Woo, a good time. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Did you hear these words? Did you hear these phrases? Do you understand that God cannot lie? He cannot deny himself? You, by the grace of God, as a born-again believer, have been transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. You literally have been born again into the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been born of the Spirit, cleansed by His blood, 
Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. <laughs> you can receive this adoption through the blessed Holy Spirit at the time of your conversion, and you get it, you get the you get the title deed. When you get adopted into the family of when you get born again, God the Holy Spirit comes in and the Holy Spirit's the title deed to the property. He's the title deed. You are a child of the living God. And someday you're gonna turn you're gonna go before him and you're gonna be able I don't know how the paperwork's gonna work out. Hopefully in heaven, because it is heaven, there'll be no paperwork. However, he does say there's a book open and another book open, so I guess there is some accounting going on. I don't know. You are considered a child of God. You're positionally on a super highway to God's heavenly throne room for conversation with your new father when you get saved. Come boldly before the throne of grace, the Bible says. I get to, now wait a minute. Let me tell you, I don't care how much you want to, you're not going to go in, get to walk into the Oval Office. The only, but, but, the president's daughter or son can walk right into the Oval Office, right past all the security, past everybody there. If they want to see their dad and they've hurt themselves and they want to see their dad, those boys are going to let him right in unless he's in a high-level meeting. But even in a high-level meeting, sometimes a dad will stop and say, wait a minute, I got my kid out here crying. Let me see what's going on, right? Glory to God. When I cry unto the Father, he may be busy running away. So wait a minute, let me, little Billy's saying something. He tells me. To come before the throne of grace boldly. I may receive grace, I may receive mercy. Wow, God's here, his reputation's on the line. He will protect you as, as your father. He will provide for you. He will discipline you. He will train you. He will keep you in all your ways and all the way to the end. But there's not much else counts when you got God. Well, you don't have to worry about much else when you got God as your father. The physical body with God, understand, I am the child of God, but this physical body is not important to God, not real important to God. He'll use this physical body to teach me and to discipline me and to bring me into understanding of who he is because I learn best by pain. Amen. I, when it all comes down to it, I learn best by pain. How do I know that? I just look back on the years I've lived. I learn best by pain. You know, athletes will even say that. They agree with that. No pain, no. That's what they say. I wouldn't know. But God, God allows what we call trouble to open doors for us in ministry, in opportunity, in teaching, in, in, in correction, and in testimony. Man, that's good. That's good. God uses all that stuff to help those areas open up. Where, child of God, is your confidence in your heavenly Father? Now, if you stay out of the Bible and don't read it and avoid it like the plague, 
You're not going to have any confidence who God is. You're going to be led about with every wind of doctrine. You're going to be thrown around by every little breeze that comes by. You're going to be a mess. You're going to be a, you're going to, you're going to, the devil himself, because you're a child of God, is going to tell you, you're you no good. You ought to commit suicide. You ought to kill yourself. You ought to blow your head off. You ought to go step in front of a car. You ought to do anything because you're, but because you're being tossed about as a, because you have not been willing to submit to your heavenly father. I had a father, earthly father, it was a good dad. But I had to submit, to get the benefit of him, I had to submit to him. How about you, Tom? Amen. Daddy said to go out and do something, you had to submit to it. That was part of getting the good out of the dad, was that you submitted to it. And we no different here. Where's your confidence in God? Your unbelief. In him and in his goodness towards you and in his willingness to bring you to a good end hinders his work in your life. As I mentioned in Capernaum. Man, I mean, we can control. You say, I can't, can I control that? Well, they did with Jesus. Jesus introduced us to our relationship with his father whom he reconciled to us. Jesus came died upon that old rugged cross, shed his blood, paid for the penalty that I deserved, and now offers me the free gift of eternal life if I will simply be willing to turn to him in faith. Minus nothing, plus nothing. And when that happens, then I simply, I would never have been able to even get to that had not Jesus reconciled me to the place that I could, that could happen. Had Jesus not died on the cross and satisfied the justice of God, the just judge that God the Father is would never have allowed me to come into his presence because my sin would have had to been judged first. And if my sin was judged first, I would have had to been cast into a place called the lake of fire if God was a just judge, and he is. You don't respect a local judge who lets a criminal go because he's a nephew or he's a relative or he's a friend of a friend. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in this world, but it definitely doesn't happen with God the Father. You need Jesus or you cannot make it even to the place of seeing him or knowing him. Jesus Christ reconciled us so we could be part of that. Take your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Verses 6 through 9, real familiar, but real powerful, and that's why they're familiar. Jesus saith unto him, John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh where? Unto the Father. See, the whole thing, the whole thing of Calvary was about getting you access. The whole thing was about getting you into the throne room of God. Because you weren't going to get close to God the Father. You weren't going to get close to God. You weren't going to have him on your side. He was only going to be your judge. And it would not have turned out well. And you can tell by looking at what Jesus paid and how he was treated because he became sin. Isaiah chapter 53, and etc. You can see God's view of sin. But Jesus paid it all. He said if he had known me. Now, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Context. He's with his disciples. At this stage, At this stage, they had been with him probably somewhere around three years. And he said, if you had known me, 
That is wild. You should have not you should have known my father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. That was an astounding statement theologically, because the Bible said over and over again, no man has seen God at any time. No man has seen the Father at any time and lived. And he says, You've seen him. Now you're what in the world? That's huge, as they say in Cape Coral. That's huge. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I? It's, this is kind of the, uh, you, you, you get the, the, you know, you ask a question, but you get a question in reply. Have I been so long with you, yet thou, it hast thou not known me, Philip? Wow. He that has seen me has seen. Oh. And how sayest thou then, show us us show us the Father? I'm going to tell you this. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, I think it's verse 3, that Christ is the very image of the invisible God. Let's put it this way. He is the visible image of an invisible God. Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. Why? There's no difference between him and the Father. The Father and I and the Father are, uh-huh. Oh, the Joel Witnesses, the Colts try to say, well, he didn't really mean what he said, but he did mean what he said. He was the author of all language, amen? He knew what language meant. And the Bible, to, just to prove that in chapter 8, they took up stone and him because he said, who makest thyself out to be? This man makes himself out to be God. Jesus was crucified, not what he did, not the miracles he did. And it was, he, he was crucified for who he said he was. Let me talk to you about four things that makes you nervous, right? You thought I was about over, didn't you? No, 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 no. That was the introduction. You're a group that needs a little bit of preaching. Let me talk to you real of a quick. That'll help you. Four things. You don't need to leave, Southern. It's not that bad. If you're going to work. I don't know why you want to go to work early, though, Southern. A quick four things about fatherhood that'll help you. Number one. Fatherhood implies authority. I'm reading a book, J.I. Packer, Knowing God. I finished it. It's a good book to get and, and, to, and to read. It'll, it'll, it's dry. The first half of it is dry. It's like going through a desert. But, buddy, the last half warms up, and you end up in the throne room of God sweating. Woo! Ever had a book like that? A lot of you, you stop in that first half and put it down, never finish the book. Not knowing that the joy is in the end. Some of you are cheaters, however, and only read the last chapter. It's okay. Number one, authority, implied authority. Fatherhood implies authority. Uh, he said in, in John 6, 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me, Jesus John 17, 14, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus says, I have glorified thee on the earth, speaking to the Father. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. 
John chapter 5, verse 19, Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I, verily I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. John 4, 34 says, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Authority, uh, fatherhood implies authority. If Jesus Christ in his earthly form felt it necessary to obey the Father, uh, then I think we would probably do well to do the same, right? People say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Oh, he's my Father. And then do their own thing. According to the Bible, they're lying to themselves. They do not have Jesus Christ as their Father because if they had him, they would obey him. Because if he indeed is their Father... It implies authority. Makes sense? And that authority implies obedience. When the old boy, when the old boy stops you for speeding and he comes by and he shows you that Glock 40 right there, that implies authority. He's got the authority to use it in spite of Ferguson. He, if you resist him so much, he'll whip that baby out and blow your head off. In the authority he's been given. Just remember, with, uh, with fatherhood comes authority. He purchased you. The Bible says, don't you know that you're bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his. I mean, don't you understand that, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses you from all sin? Don't you understand that when you trusted him as Savior, you, you were adopted into his family? You were, you were taken out of the family of old Beelzebub, and you were put into the family of God the Father, and now he's your heavenly Father, but it implies authority. We got a bunch of Christians running around here with a helmet of salvation, no other clothes. I'm saved, but you got nothing else. I know one thing. I had a good earthly father, and I guarantee you I understood that implied obedience. And once in a while I tested it to see if, if he was who he said he was. And all, all you boys do this. Girls may never do this, or girls may do it sneaky-like. But boys will just come right up on it and test it. I tested my dad a few times. Ooh, I found out that he, 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 did have a, he did have authority. And I was going to obey. He used to have a little favorite statement. I bet all your parents did too. If you're in my house, under my roof, eating my food, you do what I tell you. How many heard that? What, do they all get together go to school? <laughs> Who teaches mom and dad's that? That's because that's as plain as the nose on your face. When you birth somebody and put diapers on them and their whole life resides on your, you, and without you, they'd have died without you, and you, you, you fed them and fed them and fed them and clothed them and gave them a place to stay and everything, it just implies obedience. I mean, the kind thing to do would be obey your mom and dad. Second thing it implies is affection. Fatherhood implies affection. John 5, 20. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that, he, that himself doeth. God the Father cares for you. His fatherhood means he's responsible for you now. Boy, it makes me feel good this morning that God the Father 
takes responsibility for Bill Lytell. Glory to God. He's looking out for me. And oh, has he looked out for me. Oh, how many times he's looked out for me. How many times he's interceded. How many times he is interceding, will intercede all the way to the end because I have a good father. All the way to the resurrection. Thirdly, fatherhood implies fellowship. It implies fellowship. John 16, 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is, now is, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And listen to what he says. Yet I am not alone. Yet I am not alone. Because the Father is with me. You know what that is? That's maturity. Maturity. You want to grow and obey your Father, your Heavenly Father, to the place you and He commune, to the place where when everybody else would leave you, you'd be able to say what Jesus said. I'm not alone, for the Father's with me. And let me tell you this. This is why God will bring pain in your life, because pain will separate you and isolate you. When you're in pain, and I don't know if Nora's here, but when you're in pain, you cannot really explain it to anybody else. I mean, you can be in agony, and somebody can be standing right beside you and saying, oh, I feel so bad for you. No, you don't. I feel the pain. No, you don't. I feel the pain you feel. No, you don't. I, I, I've gotten, when I was young and trying to comfort people, I actually got down beside one woman who lost her husband, and I said, I know what you feel like. And boy, that was a bad thing to say to somebody that was wounded. She looked at me and she says, you don't have any idea what I'm going through. And I said, you're right. That was terrible. I shouldn't have said it. But when I'm in pain, alone, no lonelier time than when you're in pain. Pain is, is absolutely unique to the individual, cannot be shared. I know Jesus Christ knows. I know my Heavenly Father is the only one. Then I'm not alone. I understand it. When you lost your dad, nobody could tell you what that felt. I can't get in. I, and, and, but God knows. God knows. It implies it implies fellowship. We have, we have two fellows in a ship. God and I are in a ship together. We're going through this life. He's going to make it through all the way to the end. Don't push him away. Don't push him away by your unbelief. Lastly, fatherhood implies honor. Honor thy father and thy mother. The first commandment with promise. Now, folks, no qualification. The fact that you had a father and mother, or the fact that you know them, no matter who they are or what they are, God says honor them. Because when you honor them, you honor my choice for you. And that honors me, who, am your, who really are your, your creator. I didn't create a child. I didn't create a child. I never meant to do that. God did. And God used me my physical to do that and when my child is born then he don't have any other mom and dad but us and good bad or ugly and you're stuck with your mom and dad amen you don't get to choose your mom and dad if you would you may about half of you say i don't and when i chose jesus christ 
and he and God the Father became my father. I've been adopted in. It, I I am to honor him. It says the Father. He says, Father, the hour has come. John chapter seventeen. That high priestly prayer. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. You know what the chief end of man is? To glorify God. To glorify God. That's honor Him. Honor Him. When you go out on that bus route, Brother Gillespie, you honor your father. When you go out call on Saturday and put away your own chores, you honor your father. When we go out and do something for God and put away our own stuff and we say we're gonna, this is for God, we honor our father. We honor him when we come here this morning and meet together in his name and sing songs about him and glorify. We honor him when we come back tonight. We honor him by giving all of the Lord's day to him. We honor him by making every day sacred to him and dedicated to him. We honor him by reading the Bible. We honor him by memorizing. We honor him by all of the, everything I say or do, I want to honor God. And why? He's a good father. He's a good father. Listen to the Westminster Confession. Chapter 12, here's what it says. Speaking of adoption, what a description. Here's what it says. All those who are justified, this is talking about adoption. All those who are justified, God vouchsafed in and for his only son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God. Have his name put upon them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as by a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption, and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. Woo! No wonder it's in the Westminster Confession, chapter 12. I don't think you could word it better than that. You walk out of here today as a child of God, you are a highly, highly privileged person. Among this whole world of seven plus billion people, you are a small group of people who by faith in Christ have said yes, and God has put you into his family. Let me tell you, bad things can happen to good people, but I'll tell you, ultimately, those bad things by, the, by your Father in heaven has the ability to turn those bad things around to good. That's what it means when all things work together to good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. My God's so big that he can even take bad things and turn them around and make them good. Glory. Our Heavenly Father, we come before thee in Jesus' name. We thank you that you are our Father. We pray we'd be up under your authority. We'd be in obedience to your authority. That, Father, we'd be in fellowship daily as we walk with thee. We'd have intimacy with thee. We'd honor thee with our lives. Father, we pray that the power of God now would be manifest. There could be some without Christ here. Lord Jesus, may they ask ask you to be their Savior and trust you. Oh, Father, as we give this invitation, may the Spirit of God do what we cannot do. Come. Help us. There are some discouraged Christians, no doubt, in this room. Some people, the devil's taken off to the side and worked over. 
But they've let it happen. It don't have to be that way. Help us to cling closely to Thee, seeking Thee with our, all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. Father, we pray. Encourage Your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just a I'm nothing but a sin.